0: So glad you guys are here. Uh, let's check out this uh, sermon video that's about to launch right here. The leader,
1: the leader, the
0: leader. It's of the game we play. I was still sitting there because I had no idea that was going to be played. Um, what a surprise. Um, thank you. Uh, gosh, how am I supposed to? Oh, man, I'm so thrown off now. I, I got to. Oh, I'm so lost. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you for that video. That was uh, pretty funny. Um, I'm Pastor Jimmy. Uh, if you don't recognize me, it's because I don't have my beard. Um, it was recently, uh, no, 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 that was my wife, (laughs) which is why I'm clean shaven was recently her birthday month, which we had this tradition that for her month of January, I stay clean shaven, uh, for her. One of the many ways that I love my wife. And as the Bible says, calls us husbands to, uh, love our wives as Christ loved the church. But just remember that Christ never shaved his beard for the church. (laughs) So, but I love you, honey. Um, last week, uh, Pastor Sam led us through a different kind of introduction, uh, where he, it's a kind of a two part where he would say, uh, what do we do? And we respond with our mission statement conveniently written, uh, you shout back, uh, love God, love others. And then I would say, uh, and what do we say? And that would be our normal, I love God and I love you. So, um, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. If you're willing to meet me halfway, Let's try this. Let's do this. So um, yeah, church, what do we do? Stop fire, stop fire. And what do we say? I love God, and I love you. Awesome. Thank you, Church. I appreciate that. went really well. We're in this uh, series called Follow the Leader," and uh, about two weeks ago, we started out this series looking at the prophet Elijah, uh, which was really cool. Um, I mean, you see these ravens, they come, bring him food. It's fantastic to know that things like DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, God already thought of that way before we ever did. That's pretty neat. And then last week, we looked at the Apostle Peter, who, in my opinion, I think really is the most relatable guy, I think, in the whole Bible, right? This guy, he always speaks before he thinks, right? He always says the wrong thing at the wrong time. I'm sure no one's ever done that here, right? No, no, I mean, I, I've never put my foot in my mouth. That's, that's never really happened uh, to me, but that happens a lot with Peter, and what I love about Peter here's the, is that if God can use someone like Peter, God can use someone like me, God can use someone like you. That was a fantastic uh, time I had with the youth um, last week, talking about Peter, but this week I'm going to talk about Joshua, and uh, in order to talk about Joshua, the way I want to present it for you guys is actually in two halves, okay? The first half of Joshua's life and the second half of Joshua's life. Now, the first half of Joshua's life, it's all about preparation for his leadership role that comes later, okay? And in preparation, it's all about gaining experience, okay? Now, how many of you, I mean, you're parenting, you're, you're in the job that you have right now, and the experience that you had leading up to that time is helping you out now, Okay. Like, that happens to all of us. Or when you sit down in an interview, what's one of the questions that they ask you? They ask you about your experience, okay? That's the first half of Joshua's life. It's it's all about gaining experience because the second half of Joshua's life is all about his leadership role for when he takes over after uh, Moses. Now, I always find it helpful when I'm talking about a biblical character to kind of cast them kind of like we would a a book or a movie or a TV show, who would I cast as uh, this person? So for young Joshua, I would actually um, cast, you go ahead and go up there, Susan. I would cast Kyle Kim, all right, as young Joshua, okay? And here's the reason why, okay? Now, Kyle has experience being an assistant, right? He uh, is at OSHA, works in the production design, um, and he has been an assistant for for a while there, gaining experience, right? And many of you don't know, but he's kind of like been an assistant to me over the last few years. In fact, uh, Kyle, like what's the the name that I I call you all the time? You're my what? Where is he? You're my right-hand man. Yeah, he's my right-hand man, okay? And that's what Joshua is like. Joshua is the right-hand man of Moses, okay? He's learning under Moses and he's being prepared uh, under the leadership of Moses. And so, what I want to show you here for this first half, young Joshua, um, is how do we gain experience? How do you become a good follower? Um, and there are three characteristics that we're going to look at. Um, to show the first one here, let me kind of explain the first reading before we turn there. It's going to be in Numbers 13 if you want to start turning there. But this is a time where the Israelites have recently left Egypt, okay? They just crossed through the Red Sea and now they're finally at the edge at the border of the promised land. And Moses, he goes, "All right, let's pick 12 guys, 12 spies, and we're going to spy out the land." So think Hunger Games for a second. You pick one guy from each tribe, uh, they volunteer, tribute, whatever, and 12 people go into the land, 40 days spying out the land, and they come back Ten of them say, this is a suicide mission, right? If we go into this promised land that God, I guess, promised, like we're going to get killed, we're going to get squashed, okay? And then they lead the whole people into a mass revolt, mass rebellion against God. However, there's two people, Joshua and his pal Caleb, this is how uh, they respond, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord." do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them uh, with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting and all the people of Israel. So two different responses, 10 guys saying, we can't trust God. He's led us astray. He's led us into a cul-de-sac. This is a dead end. This is a suicide mission. But Joshua, he remains faithful. Okay? He remains faithful. And that's the first point uh, that I want to show you about young Joshua, okay, is that he is faithful. Now, faithfulness is important because it's for two reasons. Not only do you need to be trustworthy, okay, but you need to maintain trust in the person that you're learning under. Okay, when I am, um, you know, looking to, to teach the youth, you know, I'm looking, are these guys going to be faithful, right? Are these guys going to come, are these, are these guys going to show up, can, uh, I count on them to do their journaling and their, their readings. Um, faithfulness is one of the biggest components to picking a great follower, great disciple, even a great uh, employee, <clears throat> But the second uh, aspect that I want to kind of show us here, and we're going to turn here to Exodus 33. Um, This comes at a time where uh, Moses, he sets up a tent. It's called the Tent of Meeting. And this is where him and God basically have, you know, conference meetings together. Um, And Joshua will come to the tent with him, but not in the tent. And I just want to read what he does here. In Exodus 33, when Moses entered the tent, The pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. The Lord would speak with Moses, and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Okay. Joshua, he would not depart from the tent. He made himself available, okay. that, which is the second quality. Not only do you have to be faithful, you need to be available. And what do I mean by that is it takes time and energy to show up. Okay. And if you think about it, time and energy, isn't that the currency that we use to grow in knowledge To grow in wisdom, isn't even the currency that we use to grow in relationships. You have to make yourself available for those things that are important. And if you're going to learn and gain experience to be prepared well, you need to make yourself available. Let me kind of just share something from my life. Almost, it's a confession. It's kind of taking the plank out of my own eye. Just. Hear me out for just a second. So discipleship group, I've been doing it for a number of years. And I'm not to say that discipleship group hasn't been great. I think it has been throughout the years. But this new discipleship that we've done just this year is at a whole other level, okay? And I think it's because I realized something. The youth group at at discipleship group, they will never go beyond me as far as how much reading am I doing, memorization, time with God, prayer with God. In other words, I kind of always knew this but didn't know this. I set the ceiling when it comes to the youth group. And to be honest, I just wasn't in my Bible. I wasn't praying to God. And so the convicting thing for me was, if I expect this youth group okay, to be in their Bibles, well, am I reading my Bible? Is it really fair to expect them to read their Bibles if I'm not reading my Bible? Is it fair to expect them to be doing their Bible journaling if I'm not doing my Bible journaling? Is it fair to expect them to do Bible memorization if I'm not doing Bible memorization? And I just, I saw it clear as the sun. I set the ceiling for the youth group. I need to make myself much more available to God because if I don't set myself available to God, how can I expect them to make themselves available for God? Right, so that's, that's me taking the plank out of my own eye okay, to kind of encourage you, anyone who's a parent, even of the toddlers, the children's ministry, to youth group, okay, how available are you? And how available have you been because remember that you also set that ceiling for your child. So I, I, just, I learned that recently. I'm so glad that I did. It's one of those things where I wish I would have knew it or done it sooner. Um, but thank God that now it is. And youth group, discipleship group has been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'm just enjoying that a lot. Now the last quality that uh, I want to show you about young Joshua okay, is this idea of Teachableness. We're actually going to learn it here in Exodus 17. Let me kind of read it to you here. It's uh, a time where the Israelites, again, just crossed through the Red Sea, and on their way to the Promised Land, they get into a, a battle. And it says here, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand, So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. So the gist of this is they're going to go out to war. Moses says, hey, Joshua, I need you to do this thing. Go pick some men and then go fight, okay? So just raise of hands here, who likes being told what to do, right? I mean, did anybody really wake up this morning and say to themselves, oh boy, I hope someone tells me what to do today, right? Nobody nobody says that, okay? Because we don't like authority, if we're honest, okay? We don't like to be under authority, we don't like to submit to authority, we like to be the authority, Okay, the only time it ever works is if that person who's over you is doing what you tell them to do. And if that's the case, then really, who's the one in authority, right? That's you, okay? But to submit to authority, to be under authority, it takes a quality, a characteristic called teachableness, okay? To be teachable. Now, this art of being teachable, okay, it, it's just quickly fading, Okay, there are just not very many people who are teachable. They always want to be the teachers, but never the one being taught. But I'll tell you, man, if you get this, if you get being teachable, okay, it will take you far. Just a quick little story. Okay, when I came to California, in 2012, I only had about two or three months' experience of being a waiter or being a server. Show up to this uh, this wine bar in downtown Brea. Okay, I interview. And I train wreck this interview. I mean, he's asking me, like, okay, name a couple red wines. And I'm like, cab? <laughs> yeah, cab what? Cab. Well, I don't know. That's what I got, right? I train wrecked uh, that interview and everything on paper says do not hire this guy, <laughs> okay? But what do they They hire me, okay? Hire me. Now, here's some advice for you, okay? If someone hires you, just say thank you. All right. Don't say what I said. I said, why? (laughs) (laughs) Makes no sense. And he said to me, he goes, because you're teachable. He goes, I can teach you, I can train you, and I can turn you into a good server. It was the teachableness that got me hired. And teachableness, it is just absolutely fantastic. Just to kind of share one more little example. So I've been getting some really good hospital lobby time with with Sarah and we sit down together and she's just been sharing like all these like parenting tips for me. Okay. So I'm not a parent yet, but I hope to someday. And like, she's telling me about how like she has these little jars that uh, Ravel and Honorly put money in, and they like so they know how to manage their money and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good. I'm gonna like keep that in my back pocket. So I'm just being teachable, guys. You can learn so much from not just each other. I mean, you can learn from the person who has the next stage up. So the the big idea for young Joshua, okay, is you need to be fat. All right, if you're gonna be Josh, you need to be fat. I'm not talking about Josh. Josh Cho, fat. All right. I'm talking about faithful, available, teachable. Okay. He's not here today, right? He'll, he's not gonna call the LAPD on me. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, faithful, available, teachable. And here's here's the vision. If I can cast the vision real quick. Okay. Uh, you the like toddler parents. Okay. Toddler parents. There's the children's ministry parents. You guys. faithful, available, teachable. If you show up, you pull them aside, take them out to coffee, what can you learn from the parents that are in the next stage up from you, right? And children's parents, they're youth parents, okay? What could you be learning from like the youth parents, right? And then we're starting to get some empty nester parents here. I know someone in the class of 2020, this is happening, right? (laughs) Empty nest parents, like you're gonna need to be meeting with those who are already empty nesters. I think it's just uh, Charles and Sill for sure, Um, or been empty nesting for a while. Although Arjun and Yuli, I feel like they've been empty nesting for the last, like, 15 years. Um, Yep. And, um, yeah, man, I got lost on that joke. (laughs) But, guys, I just encourage you to be faithful, available, teachable. That's how you can gain experience and preparation for the second half of your life. Now, the second half of Joshua's life Uh, There's young Joshua, and there's something I'm going to call Boomer Joshua, okay? Yeah, youth group, you feel me? All right, who, if I was going to cast Boomer Joshua, I would cast Yuli. No, for sure, but there's good reason. I didn't ask Yuli permission to to do this, because like a great husband, I know it's always better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission, but Yuli, all right, like older Joshua, okay, he's got experience. All right, he's got experience. He knows how to lead others. But here's the reason why specifically I cast Yuli Joshua is Joshua's loyal. Joshua's loyal. And if you know anything about Yuli, he'll tell you this. He's loyal to a fault. Like, it's his greatest strength and his greatest weakness. And you're going to see here in the scriptures uh, why I call Josh loyal. So um, as he's, uh, as Joshua's assuming this new leadership role, okay? You just imagine, right? When you accept new responsibility, is it valid to feel scared? Like, is that totally normal to, to be afraid? Okay? I know me, I'm sure like so many others, like we shy away from leadership. We shy away from responsibility, mostly because we're fear. Okay? Now, I do this little thing where it's a little bit more noble, I'll say something like, no, um, there's really someone better suited who can do that. Like, I'm not your guy. There's someone just, you you know, way better than me. And it's like this equivalent of, like, when you break up with somebody and you tell them, "Ah, yeah, you know, you just, you deserve someone so much better, right? That's the worst breakup line, by the way. Don't use that. But that's what I do. Like, if I get new responsibility, I'm like, I'm just too afraid, that was like that for Josh. Even with all his preparation and experience, he was still afraid. So I want you to, to see what, what God tells him here. And this is going to come in the first chapter of Joshua. God tells him, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to give to the uh, fathers to give. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all that the law... Of, uh, Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Question for the parents. When you tell your child something, tell your child to do something, do you only tell them one time? <laughs> I heard some laughter there. Do you only tell them two times? <laughs> I think you tell them like five, six, seven, ten times, right? Well, what does God do with you and I? He doesn't just tell you something one time. He repeats himself too, like any parent would. And if you see in this text, what keeps getting repeated? Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not fear. So I haven't verified this, but I've heard this from multiple sources. Okay? Do, you, do you know what the most common, most frequently used commands so if we're just looking at just commands in the Bible, you know, this is what you need to do, ought to do, should do. The most frequent command in the Bible is, do not be afraid, do not fear. Okay, so again, I haven't verified this, but I'm told that it happens some 365 times in the Bible, right, which is an interesting, right, thing, because there are 365 days in the year, okay, so I haven't fact-checked that, but Assuming that's true, that's awesome. That means like every single day of the year, God is telling you, you don't have to be afraid. Now, I need to know, okay, you can't just tell me don't be afraid. You need to tell me why. I need good reasons to believe stuff. And that's because it says God is with you wherever you go. That's the promise he's making to Joshua. The a promise that makes to you and me. See, if God is with us, if God is with you, do you really do you need to be afraid? No, He's with you. And even then, like the the call to be courageous, right? It just means that even though you're afraid, it assumes that you're afraid, you're still stepping up. You're still going to accept that leadership. You're still going to accept that responsibility. Because God promises. Promises. To never leave you or forsake you. If God is with you, you can do this. You absolutely can do this. So Josh has courage, and the second thing he has is something called commitment. This is an awesome, awesome story. It comes at at the end of the conquest. So Israel has fought with all these armies in, in the promised land. They've taken over territories. They've divided the land up amongst the 12 tribes. Okay? And then Josh. At the end of his life, says, we need to recommit ourselves to God, and this is how he takes a stand. This comes in Joshua chapter 24. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. For it is evil in your eyes, oh, sorry, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is called commitment. This is called loyalty. Okay? This is, this is why I cast Yuli. Like, he's this kind of guy. He is loyal to a fault. Josh, at the end of his life, he says, look, you guys are going to make your decision. You're going to make your decision. I'm going to make a decision for my house. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as my family's concerned, we're going to stay committed to God. I don't care what the rest of you guys do. I'm not responsible for the rest of you. I'm just responsible for me. And will I lead my family in such a way that it shows that there is a commitment to Christ? Okay. My first commitment okay, is to Francis. And I need to make sure that Francis is being pointed to Christ. She is my house. She is my family. And one day, hopefully, God willing, we have kids. And I'm hoping, will I set that ceiling high Will I live my life in such a way that it shows that we are a, a family that is committed to Christ? So I'll tell you, it's an awesome thing. When you combine courage and commitment, you get this thing called legacy. Legacy. Okay. What I mean by legacy means after you are dead and buried, what is, what is going to be your memory? How will your children's children remember about you? How will your children's children feel about you? What kind of impact, what kind of ripple effect did you have on this family? I know in recently, like what's been blowing up our news, right, has been the passing of Kobe Bryant, right? Who's someone who short-lived... But then we see what? A guy who made such a huge impact worldwide. And while many of us in this room, okay, maybe we won't have a worldwide impact like Kobe, but I'm telling you this, and hear this, hear this out. You can have a Kobe Bryant impact in your family. You can do that. You can have that. And you have the courage and commitment for Christ. I want to show you how Joshua ended, ends his life here. In Joshua chapter 24, this is legacy. It says, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Tinath sherah which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and, get this, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Did you see that? The people of Israel, they didn't just serve the Lord while Joshua was with him, right? The text says what? Israel continued to serve the Lord even after Joshua. That is a Kobe Bryant impact that Joshua had. You could have that same kind of impact in your family. You can totally change family trees. You have the power to do that with Christ. In closing, I want to invite the band up. And as I invite the band up, they are... Two examples i for me, I need concrete examples and there there have been many many men, many husband and fathers that I have met that i 've seen just make these huge impacts in life and impacts in their family, but there are two guys that I admire I think that they are the Kobe Bryants of fatherhood, husbandhood, you know one of them is is Jerry's father, Jerome Williams. If anyone's ever met Jerome Williams, this guy makes a ripple effect. You don't just see it in his children, you see it in his children's children, the impact that he's making. And someone else that, that I only met him once maybe in my life, Mr. Hagihara, Matt's dad. That guy, had such an impact in his family that I love I get to meet with Matt and learn with Matt and then I see Matt and Susan teaching little Grayson. Guys, you can have such an enormous impact in your family tree. Just have the courage to lead. Have that commitment to set the ceiling high. And just watch. Just watch what God can do through you. Pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, many of us in this room, Lord, we're young, or we're still in that season of preparation. Will you help us to be faithful, available, teachable, to learn from those older than us, that we can be prepared to live lives of legacy? Pray that there are people in this room, Lord, where that would not shy away from responsibility or coward from leadership. Let's lead our families well. Let's lead our families strong and let's lead our families in the way of Christ. Lord, that we can leave such an impact on our children, our children's children, our children's children's children. The memory of us, Lord, would be well thought of and well spoken of. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. Jesus is-